Hey, what's up, everybody, and thank you for hitting the play button on the Derek Diamond Experience. And thank you to those who listen every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and ddepodcast.com. This week, you'll be hearing my conversation with graphic designer Michael Daw. But first, I want to tell you about a great album by my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks, including their single Carne Asada and Twin Peaks, which is also the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. You can find Murder Mystery Night on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And if you want to follow them on social media, just find them on Facebook, search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and they're also on Instagram and Twitter, at Wranglers. That's at U-W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R-S. You are listening to The Derek Diamond Experience. Welcome to episode 72 of the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of September 17th, 2015. As always, I am coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. As you heard at the top of the show, you'll be hearing my conversation with graphic designer Michael Daw, but that's not all that Michael does. Not only is he a graphic designer, but he's an illustrator, musician, and he's an actor, so I really don't know of anything this guy can't do. And he recently reached out to me about coming on the show to promote his book called A Very Krampus Christmas. And not only is he doing the artwork for it, but he also wrote the story. And he recently launched a Kickstarter campaign for it. And you can find the link to that in the description of this episode. But that's not all that we talked about. We went to the same college, Pensacola State College, and he took a lot of art classes. So it was fun talking with him about that, seeing what teachers he had, if he had any of the same teachers that I did, what made him want to get into art, to music, acting, all that stuff. And he, he knows a lot of the same people that I do, has the same interest in comics that I do. So it was fun getting to meet him in person and learn all these new things about him. And I'm very interested in reading the story of A Very Krampus Christmas. And for those of you that are listening through the website, you'll notice that the promo graphic is some of his artwork from A Very Krampus Christmas. So the artwork is very, very good. I know I will personally be donating to this project, and I can't wait to see how it turns out. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with jack-of-all-trades, Michael Daw. Back here with my very special guest this week, a man of many talents, an illustrator, graphic designer, actor, and a comedian, Mr. Michael Daw. Michael, how you doing? Good, how about you? Not too bad, not too bad. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. Oh yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So, we were talking on Facebook, you know, setting up this interview, and you said you're a local illustrator, graphic designer, all those things I just named. Are, are you a lifelong Pensacola resident? Um, not quite lifelong. I was born here. I lived here most of my life. I think there was a, a short like middle school. I lived in Mississippi and then moved back in high school. 
And since then, I've kind of moved back. Like, I lived in Atlanta for a while, Huntsville for a bit, Birmingham for a bit. But I always managed to come back for some reason. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, it's my least favorite place to drive. The okay. downtown Atlanta. Oh, man, is... it's terrible. When I lived there, it snowed, like, a couple times oh, really? within just, like, a few months. It wasn't even, like, it was, like, oh. December. And it snowed, like, twice, and people do not know how to drive in it. It made the traffic, like, usually it'd be, like, 45 minutes to get home. It'd be two hours just sitting there. It's like the ice storm that happened here oh. last year. People didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, did you see what happened up in, like, Birmingham and stuff? Mm-hmm. They were, like, people were just, like, sliding <laughs> off the fucking road and shit. Like, they don't know what to do. What's funny is I remember Channel 3 did a news report of this truck that was stuck on the ice, and this big guy with long white hair jumps out of a car, and he's wearing a wife beater, shorts, and flip-flops, and he helps the guy, like, push his truck, you know, to where it'll go. And they did an interview with him, and... They were like, so why are you dressed like that? And he's like, oh, I'm from Wisconsin. This is like summertime for me. <laughs> it's just Santa Claus. Yeah, it, it, hanging it, out I think he had a beard too, so who knows? It might have been Santa Could've Claus. Could have been. Yeah, doing his good deed for the day. Yeah. Now, from an early age, was art something that you were always interested in, or was it something that you kind of discovered later? Yeah, no, it's it's the thing that I've always done. Like uh, uh, you mentioned, I do like comedy. I'm also a musician. I do some acting. Like, that's all stuff that developed later. But, like, as soon as I could hold a pencil, I was drawing. Was there a certain thing that made you want to draw? Or was it like you picked up a pencil, started drawing, and you just fell in love with it? I just, I mean, I've done it since before I can remember. Like, my family has pictures of, like, you know, silly shit. Like, Mickey Mouse and stuff that when I was, like, four, I would just sit there and draw while watching TV. So, I've just kind of always done it. And then later on, I got into comic books and stuff like that. And... It just kept going with it. What specific comic books? Uh, well, when I was a kid, my, my parents were really strict, so I couldn't read anything cool at all. So actually, like when I was like six or seven, I got my first comic book that wasn't like some David and Goliath bullshit, and it was actually Sonic the Hedgehog. Really? Yeah. So I wound up I wound up reading those for a long time until I got older and I was able to like read other stuff that wasn't anthropomorphic hedgehogs. Not too long ago, I interviewed uh, an artist named Stephen Butler, yeah, who currently who draws on, on Sonic, mm-hmm. and that was the first comic book I ever read, too. Yeah, at Pensacon this past year, Scott Shaw was there, mm-hmm. and he was like, that was, he drew he the drew the comic old, book I ever owned. Yeah, he drew the original miniseries, yeah. the four-issue miniseries. Yeah, and, and he did, like, covers after that for, like, the first ten, and that those were, like, the first ones I ever got, so that's, like, how I knew him. Yeah, I remember flipping through his book and seeing, you know, the full bodied picture of Sonic running and it was to me like the the original miniseries has that certain style to it cuz yeah. once it started on a regular basis, the style was different. Mm-hmm. But well, they had to match it up to all the other stuff that would like, you know, make it like more like branding back then. It was kind of like do whatever the hell you want with it. But when I saw that, I, I just I felt like I was, you know, 7 or 8 years old again finding uh it was issue number two of the series. I found it at an old grocery store near where I used to live. And, you know, since then I've read the book and it's in, you know, 200 and something now. So oh, wow. it's, it's still going. Yeah, I've seen it. I see it in the comic shop every week and I'm always amazed. That so you do you currently still read comic books? I do. Um, I don't. Yeah. These days I read um, 
Uh, Saga is probably mm-hmm. my favorite one that's out there. Never I mean, read it, but I've heard good things. It's amazing. I wish I could go. I wish I, I like. I envy you for having never read it because you get to go through and read it for the first time, like a virgin again. Like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous of you for that. Um, I've been. I read like uh, Walking Dead, um, Outcast, which is the other Robert Kirkman book. I've heard good things about Outcast too. East of West is really good. Um, I don't read a lot of like the superhero books. I read Silver Surfer because Michael Allred illustrates it. Um, but that's pretty much the only like typical superhero book that I'm into. I like the art style of that book because it reminds me of the old Jack Kirby, yeah, sixty style. Oh, yeah. You know, with the bright colors and the the pop art, oh yeah, like look to it. it. It's it's really cool. Have you ever read Southern Bastards? That's the other one that I read. Yeah, that's, that book is so good. Yeah, I love that book. That you, I, I can't remember the coach's name off the top of my head, but the, is it like Eulis Eustace something something weird in Alabama? E. Yeah, the first few books you hate him. Yeah, so much, but then when you find out his backstory, yeah, they they did that arc where like they really make you like feel bad for you the sympathize asshole. with him. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool, but it's 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 one of my favorite books, and I mean I I haven't read comics in a pretty good while, but. Um, that's, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. I still keep up with the Sonic book. Um, you know, the, the current Spider-Man runs okay. Uh, Punisher's okay. But I mean, like a lot of the mainstream ones I haven't really kept up with like I used to. Yeah. Same here. And then, uh, as, as you got older, like, did you, uh, did you go to school for art? Like to get a degree in art? Um, I think it was like four years ago when I was living in Birmingham, I went through just like a streak of shit luck where like my girlfriend broke up with me, my car broke down because my car broke down, I couldn't get to work. So I lost my job. So I lost my house and like had to move back in with my folks and just decided like, I was like 25 and I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to like do something besides job hop for a while. So that's when I was like eligible for Pell Grant. So I moved back here, went to PSC, and I actually just graduated with my associates in graphic design this past May. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. If you don't mind me asking, because that's where I went to school too, who were some of the teachers you had? Um, Let's see. I had Catherine Quarles, but she's no longer there. Leslie Ward, who's no longer there. Um, I had Mark Hopkins my last semester for Portfolio. I had him for digital photo. Okay, I had Mark Francis for both the digital photo classes. Um, okay, I'm thinking of somebody different. Hopkins, I had for uh, computer graphics. Okay, Francis yeah, that makes was sense. digital photo. Yeah, okay, okay yeah. yeah. And then I had uh, Michael Bowles for a couple classes. Name doesn't sound familiar. Um, he's he actually just had an exhibit at the Museum of Art for it was like it ran during the summer for like a couple months. Okay. Um, it's, it's he been, just finished. He just retired from there, though. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's been, gosh, probably three, four years at least since oh, I've yeah. been in that building. Yeah, lots of the people are gone, except for uh, uh, what's his name, who's going to be there till the end of time. Um, they just did an article on him. He does the pottery, all the pottery stuff. Oh, Clover? Yeah, Clover. Oh, Clover's there? been there for 50 Holy years Holy crap. Yeah, he'll probably be there another 50, too. Like, I wouldn't doubt it. He's going to outlive all of us. He's going to be like a robot with just a human head, just still, and that still big doing white pottery beard. and the big white beard. 
I never had his class, but I, I had a few conversations with him. He was a funny guy. Yeah, I never took his class either, but he was always like super nice. I took sculpture with bowls, and like he would help me fire the stuff that I made with clay and that, which was nice because I never took like any ceramics or anything like that, so I had no idea what I was doing. Is uh is Chris Lynn still the head of the? Yeah, the he's awesome. I love that yeah. guy. I probably never would have like went to college if it wasn't for. They were giving me such a hassle between like the whole like I couldn't prove that I lived in Florida for a year and I couldn't prove that I lived in Birmingham for a year. So I was in this weird like, do we charge them like out of state? I was in this weird limbo. They didn't know what to charge me. And like mm-hmm. I finally went to him about it, and he made a phone call and was like, "All right, that's it. Alabama tuition. It's a dollar more a class," and just that quick. Like, yeah, so I learned from them great. like just anything bad that happens just goes straight to Chris. Never bother with the guidance counselors. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He used to pick on me a lot, but he's awesome. Oh, he picks on everybody. He's hilarious, <laughs> yeah. man. He comes. He would come in and say the most random shit while we were in the middle of class. There'd well, be he, a demo going on in like CG one, and he'd sneak in where the teacher wouldn't see him and just ask a really weird question in a high pitched voice. And you'd see her like <laughs> look around like and him. start to answer it and be like, "Who said that?" <laughs> I remember the the first encounter I had with him was like his second or third day there. I was uh, I was going around filming stuff for uh, this was back when they had TV production classes there. I was we were doing a feature on the on the Anna Lamar Switzer building, so I was taking the camera around just getting B roll of the outside and the inside of the building. And he walks up to me and he says, "You know you have to have a permit to film in here, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "But I have my teacher's permission. She teaches uh, you know TV production." And he just looks at me and he goes you're no fun and walks away. <laughs> and since then he would just bust my balls every chance he got, but like in, in a fun way, that should just be his title. Like it's on his business cards. Chris Lane, I'm going to bust your balls. Professional ball buster. Yeah, that's it. That's or professional job. chop buster. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He would probably push for it to say balls. He's that. Pro- yeah, I, I could see that. So when, when you're drawing, is there like a specific, thing you like to draw or is it just whatever pops in your mind that you like uh, to draw i usually have some sort of idea of what i'm doing like a concept like uh if i'm doing uh like a gig flyer for a band or something like that I, I try to come up with some kind of concept maybe based off one of their songs then but usually yeah there's some i don't just sit around and doodle that much anymore i usually have something behind it and so I you guess do like freelance work yeah, yeah. Okay, I do freelance. Cool. I work at uh, Lamar full time doing uh, billboard designs around the country. Very cool. Very cool. Are, are there any billboards in town that you've done? No, because uh, I mainly do digital, and okay. there's mainly vinyl around here. There's a few digital, but the way that they assign them to you, you can't really just like pick and choose which ones you get. So I've done a few that were like mugshot billboards where I just switched out the photos, but it's nothing like right. I'm going to be like, look, mom, I put that guy's face on there. Like hey, he's going to prison that. because of me. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I didn't like make it. I just like got the file and swapped out the photo and the name and like petty larceny or whatever the fuck it was. He did. You know, now that I'm, now that you mentioned that I can only think of like two digital billboards that I've seen in town. Yeah, there's uh there's one right by on Cervantes, like right by the the interstate. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one that's really close to the road, so you can see like that it's pixelated and stuff. Yeah. And then there's like two right by the mall. 
Yeah, there's one on Ninth near the mall, like you're driving towards downtown. Mm-hmm. And then there's one on, I think it's Airport. Yeah, near yeah. Uh, Sam's Club. Okay, yeah. There's a digital. The next I guess there's a few because then there's like well, I don't I don't even know if those count the digital ones that are like the old school ones that have the panels that like flip. I'm I guess those aren't technically. I'm digital. thinking more like LED boards. Yeah, which those are the ones I work on. Okay, I gotcha. So and and moving on to uh, your uh, Kickstarter mm-hmm. that you mentioned, you're writing uh, and illustrating a book. What's the title of the book and what's it about? Uh, the book is called A Very Krampus Christmas. It is a 40-page illustrated storybook for adults that tells the untold origins of Krampus. And Krampus is, of course, um, he's from like uh, German-speaking Alpine countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's uh, part of folklore that goes around with St. Nick every year, where St. Nick brings presents to the good children, and Krampus punishes the bad ones, either by whipping them or kidnapping them. And you're also doing the the artwork, mm-hmm. right? So. so I've written the whole thing, and I'm a, a quarter of the way done illustrating right now. So I've got about 10 out of 40 pages finished. And what was the inspiration for wanting to do that specific story? I always thought Grampus was an interesting character in the whole folk- folklore realm, but he's really mysterious because there's nothing about his origin or backstory. It's There's never anything about like where he came from or like, how he got that super unique job. It's just, that's Krampus. That's what he does. So, and most people, like, I've seen a few Krampus books out there that are kind of, like, serious in nature. Like, they almost take themselves a little bit too seriously. Right. And to me, it's a funny story. Because if you look at it, it's a hairy, horned devil that breaks into your house and assaults your children during Christmas time, which to me is fucking comedy gold. And there was just yeah. so many unanswered questions about him that I thought it'd be interesting to do a book that's like humorous in nature, but also kind of has that old storyboard feel to it. it, it looking at the the artwork that you sent me, it does remind me of a children's book, but storyboard animation like that can still have a darker tone, a more adult tone, and still be funny yeah exactly and the um i don't know if you were like a church goer at any point i was growing up I, so like i did go through a few years of going to church yes. many sundays spent in church mm-hmm. and um they had the felt boards which were like the felt boards and the little like felt jesus and moses and who the fuck ever that they'd put on it to illustrate the really weird stories in the bible so that's where you got that style from. Yeah. So I, I was wondering I what that a, was about. Yeah. I bought a bunch of felt and I scanned it all in. I just like a ton of felt because it's like 30 cents a sheet. Mm-hmm. So I just got like every color I could find and scanned it in. And now I do the illustrations in Adobe Illustrator. Mm-hmm. So it's these like clean vector line drawings and uh, not line drawings, but vector shapes. Mm-hmm. Then I take it into Photoshop and I give everything a different colored felt texture. That's awesome. To make it look like that, which to me is kind of ironic too because it's it it makes you think of those like old Sunday school illustrations, but then it's like definitely not something they would be teaching you in Sunday school. There's some irony in that, I yeah. think. Because I, that was actually going to be my next question because I was wondering what that type of texture was. I mean, I was like, it kind of reminds me of a felt or some type of sheet, but I, I wasn't exactly sure. But no, that's that's really cool. 
Yeah, like anything I do like that, I like to find something to make it different than anything else I've done. Yeah. And so with this, it was, I, I had kind of done like experiments with this in portfolio class for uh, a couple gig flyers I did for one of my bands. And I really liked how it looked. And then when I had the idea for this book, I realized like that was the perfect aesthetic to go for with it. And why did you decide to do a Kickstarter for it? Uh, well, I, I'm like, it's pretty, pretty expensive to print stuff. Um, and I'm actually, I just, I wanted to see if I could like, you know, get the printing funded. A lot of people do the Kickstarter and they ask for like, you know, 40 or 50,000 just for like a comic book. And a lot of that is to like pay their bills while they work on it. But like, I'm doing all of the work for free in it. And I, so I figured like, I'm, you know, I'm really busting my ass doing this. I wanted to try to find a publisher, but I knew even if I did, I wouldn't be able to find one that I could get it out soon enough. So I wanted to self publish and I decided to try Kickstarter. I, I had a lot of really cool ideas for perks that you can get for funding it. And I thought it'd be a, a really cool way to try to get the money raised. And what are some of those perks? Uh, well, if you donate a dollar or more, then I have, there's a page for a very Krampus Christmas on Twitter mm-hmm. and I will publicly take you off the naughty list in a tweet. <laughs> um, five bucks gets you the tweet and a digital download of the book as well as a exclusive Krampus postcard that I'll mail you. Um, 10 bucks, you get all that plus the physical copy of the book. $10 is all of that. Plus you get the whole set of five postcards 30 adds in a print, um, 50 adds in a t-shirt, 100 is all of that, plus a sketch that I'll do of Krampus and sign it. And then 500 is the big one. There's only two options for that. And you get all of the stuff mentioned before, plus you get drawn into the book. So like you or like a friend or even like one of your kids, if you're really messed up, you could just send me a picture and I'll illustrate you into the book somewhere. Those are some really awesome perks. I, I'll have to donate so I can get the postcards. Yeah, the postcards collect, are fun. Set those up at Christmas time. Yeah, and that was a big thing in like, uh, you know, where where the origin of Krampus came from and everything was, um, they used to collect the postcards. Like people would make new ones every year, and people would buy them and trade them and give them out. Like so, it was like a big deal. So I wanted to do some in the style of the book. And make them like kind of humorous. That that's something that, as I've gotten older, I've, for some strange reason or another, I've like really creative Christmas cards because I mean you send them to family that you don't get to see and everything. You know everybody sends the family picture, yeah, with a with a Christmas card and everything. But that's that's really clever. I like that. So I'll have to. I'm interested to see what they look like. They're interesting. There's a few up online if you uh, look them up. One is him doing uh, the whip and the nene. It says, <laughs> watch me whip and watch me nene. Uh, I'm working on one that's that's supposed to be the uh, the meme from Game of Thrones, where it's winter is coming, but it's going to say Krampus is coming. That's awesome. So yeah, they're all they're all different. They all have some kind of different things. That's, that's really cool. Now... Um, Moving on to, you've said you were a musician. Mm-hmm. Is has music always been another passion of yours? Yeah, uh, I started playing guitar when I was like sixteen or so. By the time I was like eighteen, started playing in bands. Um, so yeah, 
Definitely. Not not quite as long as drawing, but that's something that kind of crept in there later. Do you currently play in any bands? Yeah, I play in uh, Colonel Gentleman and the Intangible Fancies, which is, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like psychedelic folk rock. Nice. Maybe a little bit of like indie rock in there. Um, and then I also play in Chainsaw Kelly, which we've been playing in Pensacola for really close to 10 years now. And that's more of a kind of like blues rock. It's kind of like all over. Some of the songs, all the songs are really different. Some of them sound like it could be like Black Keys influenced music. Mm -hmm. Then some of it sounds more alt country. So we kind of, we jump around from that. But it's definitely Southern inspired music. I I like that. That's that's the type of music I was raised on. So Uh, do you guys have any music online, any of the songs? Yeah, both bands. uh, Colonel Gentleman has, I believe, two songs on our Reverb Nation page right now which I think is just ReverbNation.com slash Colonel Gentleman Music. And uh, we're releasing an EP later this year, a four-song EP called Oh Whiskey. Sweet. Chainsaw Kelly has some Reverb songs, or some songs on Reverb Nation, and we have a few on Bandcamp as well. We're also releasing a four-song EP this year. Since you're into the local music scene, I I have to ask this question, but have you heard of a a band around here called the Unicorn Wranglers? No, they're they're the guitar. Well, all three of them are are good friends of mine. They actually do the theme song for the podcast. Oh, and the, okay. And nice. the bassist uh, is my boss at the the Wahoos. So they're oh, they're awesome. they're actually looking into doing like more shows. So I mean, we should you know try and hook you guys up to do like some some shows together because they, they have a very like nineties red hot chili peppers type sound. So nice. Yeah. And they're, and they're doing, they're doing an an EP as well. Awesome. So you should, you should check them out. They're, they're really good. Yeah. I'll check them out for sure. And then, uh, you also said you're a comedian and I, and I love stand up comedy. How did you get into doing that? That was just something I always wanted to do since I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15, but was always, kind of just too pussy to ever get up and do and then something about when i moved back and went to college i started doing acting again um i did a short film called a girl from iceland uh i did a couple plays at the pensacola little theater called short attention span theater and i just started doing all this stuff i'd always wanted to do and i just thought like why why the hell not like so i went out and just started doing open mics around town and stuff and it's been great it's been like two years or so and i've got a pretty pretty solid set down it's uh it's definitely a lot of fun who are some of your favorite stand-up comedians uh definitely mitch hedberg oh mitch hedberg is so good yeah i i was introduced to him in college me and a guy that i had uh mythology class with we we were both really into stand-up comedy and we would exchange CDs. This was before like yeah. you know, iTunes and everything really got big. And he he's the one that introduced me to Mitch Hedberg, and his his jokes were so dry and but the way he would deliver them just made them so funny. Yeah, like my my favorite one that he did was someone asked if I wanted a frozen banana, and I said no, but I wanted a real banana later, so I said yes. <laughs> There's things yeah. like that, like he and 
watching him on stage was was interesting because he would wear the sunglasses and he'd yeah. hold the mic with both hands and he'd hold his head down like he would never. Which they tell you not to do in stand up too. Really? Yeah, I did a competition once and they're like, "Look, this is this is why you didn't win. You." left the microphone on the stand and i was like what oh i thought you were gonna tell me like my jokes weren't funny or like the delivery was off like no here's what you do you walk up you grab the mic off the stand and you move the stand i was like okay that seems like some kind of weird bullshit technicality now then you you watch people like hedberg and you're like no he didn't do that you don't have to do that yeah it's just these weird rules that people have they're like this is what you have to do you know now this now that you mentioned that, I've noticed that every stand-up comic, they just they grab the mic off the stand. And I guess it makes sense. I, get, I think it's supposed to show like confidence or like show that you're comfortable. But right. I guess like certain people like Hedberg don't they look comfortable already. They look too like Mitch Hedberg looked too comfortable at times on stage. Well, his delivery was so unique, yeah. that it, it really worked for him. It did. And there's I've seen some people that that can leave it on the stand and it works, and then some people where I can agree. Yeah, take it off the stand. It looks weird. Do you like any of like the classic stand-up comedians? Because like I, I loved Eddie Murphy's old stand-up comedy, like Delirious and Raw. Uh not not huge into it. Not huge. Yeah, I've I've tried to get into it, man. I just it, it's I don't know. It reminds me of like almost. I'm not even gonna say that because um, people will get really mad if I <laughs> compare them to him, but. Um, I don't know, man. There's to me like I don't know. It's some of it's just so grating. I got gotcha. like it's just so goddamn loud and yeah. like right in your ear. I respect him a lot as a comedian, and he's you know packs out places constantly. Will always be way far beyond anything I could ever do. But it's just I don't know. Never really got into it. Just not your thing. Yeah, not really. I, I got gotcha. you. I mean, it's you know people love different styles of comedy, and that's. That that's one of the best things about it is you know like because I, I I like Louis C.K. but he I don't think he's as funny as other people make him out to be. See, I love I love his jokes. Some of the stuff he comes up with is just too fucking funny to me. I mean, I, I think you know his stuff is is really smart. Like he's a he's a really good writer when it comes to it. But yeah, you know, it's just like you with Eddie Murphy. It's you know not yeah. entirely my thing. So yeah, uh, um. Do you like uh, improv comedy? I do, but I, I don't do it. You don't do it? Yeah, that's one of those things where I just can't. I don't do that. That's something I've always been envious of. Yeah, people that same can here. Do that. Same here. Um, yeah, it's nuts. The, there's like the local troupe that does it. The Improbable, improbable Cause. I've seen them a couple of times, and they're hilarious. I, I haven't seen them yet. Like, do they still do shows? Yeah, I think they're doing them at uh, PLT. Right. Because I, I, I don't know if he still does it, but uh, Darren Campbell who I worked with at a blab TV event. He's the one that told me about it, hmm. but I haven't, you know, and that was back in October, November, but I, I haven't went out to see it yet because, you know, growing up, whose line is it anyway? was one of my favorite shows yeah, of all same time. Here. Uh, yeah. I was always super jealous of people that could get up and do that, but I don't like I had to, I was in that Pentacon commercial and they made us um, on the callback audition we all did cold reads, but mm-hmm. they would pair us up with somebody, and we all did it like in front of each other, which is different. And then they would pair people up and have them do improv. And that's when I was just like, I can do the cold reads all day, but like once it comes to improv, I'm 
I think of all the funniest shit the second I sit down and it's over. That, that I, I can understand that. It's just like coming up with ideas. Like we'll do something at work. Like we'll make a video or make some type of animation and we'll be like, well, it's okay. But you know, sometimes you just have to meet your deadline. And then yeah. as soon as it's over, you sit down and you're like, man, I should have done this instead. That would have been so much better. Right. I hate when that happens. It's always that old thing of like, you're taking a shower and you just got done with an argument and you're like, damn, if I would have said that, I would have won that argument. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now, you said you were in the Pensacon commercial, and you're also into acting. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? Um, when I was, I don't know, like eight or nine, um, my sisters and like a couple of my cousins were going to audition for the theatrical version of Beauty and the Beast at the Sanger Theater. Mm-hmm. And I like just on a whim was like, it's a Saturday. All right, I'll go too. Thinking, I think I thought it was going to be like the Disney version of Beauty and the Beast. But then I got up there and they had me like, you know, read these lines of like Mikey the Dragon, which never heard of that character. No, I haven't either. Didn't make it in the uh, Disney cut. Yeah. Um, but I read them and I had a lot of fun doing the read. And then I like actually got the part and it was like a pretty big part. I was only in the first scene of the play, but all my lines in the first scene were somehow like equal to other characters, like lines throughout the whole thing. Like it was a pretty big undertaking for me being that young. And I look back and don't really know. I think I must've just been so young that I didn't realize like that it was a big responsibility. Right. Cause I look back now and I'm like, I don't think I would want that many lines. It's too much. <laughs> but then I did that and I just, I really had a blast doing it. So I went and I did like a couple more plays at the Sanger and then I didn't do anything for a long time. Um, then in Tate, I was in Guys and Dolls, mm-hmm. which we did at PLT. And uh, didn't do anything for a long time after that till I moved back from Birmingham and did that uh, Girl from Iceland movie, which I had friends that were working on that. So they were the ones who told me about the auditions and everything. And uh, I... A friend of mine's dad was directing one of the short plays in short attention span theater that following winter. So I went and auditioned and got one of the parts. And uh, I've been trying to do it every year since then. But I missed last year because the uh, finishing up my degree was taking up so much of my time that I just I couldn't fit it in. But I don't know, man. I just I did it for I've always loved doing it. It's just it's not always easy to find places to do it around here. What exactly is short attention span theater? I mean, I, I kind of get it from the title, but how exactly does it work? It's um, six one-act plays. They're all five to ten minutes each, and they do them back-to-back. Usually they have three directors, and each one directs two of them. And they do it at Pensacola Little Theater every year. It's done by um, not the uh, not the main stage production, um, I can't remember what the what the actual like production company within it is called. It's like Studio B or something like that. Um, but it's basically like where they can get away with more stuff. So the the jokes are a bit dirtier. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's just kind of more funny. You know, people don't really bring their kids to it. So it's it's a lot of fun to do, and it's not in like the main theater. It's off to the side, and gotcha. but they set up a stage. It's real nice. They usually have opening night, like right around Valentine's, so it's fun. That's really cool. I, I would I'd love to see something like that. I, I, I love blast. things. I love things like that that are 
you know, different than a traditional play yeah. or, you know, traditional movie, anything like that. Because I, I always, even if the end result doesn't turn out to be that great, I at least appreciate somebody trying something different. Yeah, and even if it's not great, it's like five minutes long. Yeah. Like, it's not like you have to suffer. Like, you get there and you're like, this is going to be three hours of the worst play I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, it's just like, all right, this will, 10 minutes tops, and you're good. You can go out and smoke a cigarette, come back in, and it's a different play. Yeah. And then, uh, in closing, how can people find your uh, your Kickstarter, and do you have any type of like social media for Krampus that you'd like to plug? Yeah, uh, Instagram is a very Krampus Christmas. Uh, Facebook, I believe, is just facebook.com slash a very Krampus Christmas. Twitter doesn't allow that many characters in the name, so it's uh, at a very Krampus Xmas, and I'll be posting the links to the Kickstarter on all of those pages. So if you follow at least one of those, you're going to get harassed with the link to the Kickstarter page. But it looks like it's going to be kickstarter.com slash a very Krampus Christmas. Well, it's, that's the way to do it is keep everything under one name so it's easy to remember. Exactly. My OCD started getting really annoyed <laughs> when I realized Twitter wouldn't let me spell out the whole name and I had already made the other accounts. That's the one bad thing about Twitter is... The character you know, like limit. I, like I couldn't put the Derek Diamond experience because I mean it's a really long name anyway, yeah, so yeah. I had to sh- settle for something different. But no, it, and also there's no such thing as too much publicity. Yeah, exactly. Like when I post, when I post these, I shove it down everybody's throat. So yeah, you have to. Yeah, and then it's funny I do that and I feel so bad, and then people are like, "Oh, I didn't." Like I would do that in bands, and I'd see people they're like, "Oh, I didn't know you were playing a show." Like you're like I I've, I've flooded the internet with this. How did you not see it somewhere? It's like people at work. They're like, I've been doing this show for almost a year and a half, and uh, a month ago they were like, "Oh, you do a podcast?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, yeah, since last March." <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, uh, also uh, in, in closing, thank you once again for uh, for coming on the show. It was great. Oh, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. My thanks again to Michael Daw for coming on the show, and don't forget to support his book, A Very Krampus Christmas. You can find that on Kickstarter. And don't forget, you can find past episodes of this show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or you can stream them directly from the website, ddepodcast.com. You can find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at dde underscore podcast. And like us on Facebook, just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you once again for tuning in to another fantastic episode of The Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. (laughs) 